With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Positivity Podcast on Anfield Index. My name is Matt McElroy, and I will be your moderator for today's discussion. I am joined by Lubo Murkoff and Paul Jenkins. How are you doing today, guys? Paul? Yep. I am doing very, very good. Um, it was raining super heavy, like super, super heavy there, but just as soon as we started recording, it has cleared up, and the sun, which seems to just be the running theme whenever we do a podcast so yes it is a lovely day here now it may turn to torrential downpour in the next five minutes but sure that's that's an irish summer yeah i i think it's going to be sunny for the podcast though it always is sunny in northern ireland for the podcast it always is it always is positivity Uh uh-huh and and lubo how are you uh, just uh, a good normal Sunday, if you will. Uh, it is quite hot and muggy here, and the air is not great. I think um, we, we're getting some of those, uh, some of that bad air from Canada from all the fires. So the air quality is not great, and it's very hot and very muggy outside. And um, but I'm inside. I'm, I, I have the, the 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 England versus Portugal game on in the background. Took me the, the entire first half to figure out how to watch it, but I succeeded. So it's all good. It better yeah, be worth Lu- it. <laughs> it. It does look like you're in for a West Coast summer there, Lubo, with the the wildfire smoke. Yeah, it's been it's been going on for a while. It it, it early in early June they had a really bad here in New York, uh, and then uh, last week it was more in the Midwest, uh, and now it seems like it's 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 coming back to the to the east, and it's not it's not terrible but um it, it, there's quite a bit of it in the air and some people are really affected and apparently i i, I found out from a friend that it actually to to animals so dogs and cats they get really affected by the by the uh, pollution in the air so they're very sensitive to that apparently so um it's not great for the pets unfortunately yeah it, it's not great at all like because i think i've mentioned to you before that we've we've had you know something similar happen almost every year for the last eight years is to where we have we're like encased in the the wildfire smoke and um you know it happened last last fall where it was like from the the middle of september through to the end of october where it was just like what you guys have where it's like every once in a while the the wind would change and you're just in this terrible air and you can't go outside your house and so it's it's very unfortunate. So I hope that the winds do shift and you guys can go outside and enjoy the summer a little bit. Um, but who know who knows what'll happen. Uh, but we should probably get started um, with our with our opening question. So what what sources of media do you use to consume Liverpool related content? And then how do you see that changing with the uh, media environment uh, sort of? moving around a bit uh so lubo do you want to do you want to get us started on that one yeah so for me twitter has always been the the main source and and so going back i mean i i've been on twitter for a long time my first account i think i opened in 2008 or 2009 so quite early on and initially was more for actually for baseball than uh premier than premier league in liverpool but i think it was around that uh 
the the first Roger season, twelve thirteen, that I really started um, using Twitter for for Liverpool content, and that's why I, I found a lot of the accounts, a lot of the statistics uh, accounts, analytics accounts. That's actually where I found a lot of the the the, the people around Anfield Index at the time. It was actually EPL Index at that time, and um, and and then through through that network. Um, actually, a lot of the content, but also a lot of the people that I met, uh, uh, Liverpool fans and, and people I interact with, such as the two of you, uh, I found through through um, sort of the, the EPL Index, Anfield Index um, community. Uh, and Twitter has remained the main source. I mean, I, I'm not on Instagram, on Facebook. I never, I never really got into Reddit. I know Reddit has a lot of uh, content, a lot of people on Reddit. Uh, but in the last few years, the Discord, especially Anfield, in, Infield, Anfield Index Discord, has been like a, a place where I've spent a lot of time, for for better or worse. <laughs> but, uh, so I'll mm-hmm. say that that's that's kind of been it. Uh, we'll have to see now with the with the nonsense on Twitter with Elon Musk and uh, trying to destroy the platform, how it's going to evolve. Uh, but I'm hoping that it survives. But I still see it kind of continuing for now, at least for now. Still, mostly Twitter and Discord as the as the as the places. Even though I, I am I am on a lot more Discord servers now uh, over over the last um, year or so, um, and so uh, that's another that's another uh, place to consume uh, information. And finally, uh, Substack. So Substack has has really come on strong the last I would say year year and a half, and I I follow or I subscribe to quite a few uh, feeds Substack feeds, uh, and that that's actually become more of a, a information source rather than an engagement source. Right, I don't really post much on Substack, but it's a it's 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 a good it's a good place. It's a they've they've really turned that platform into a nice place to go and and just read content. Yeah, the um, so I'm I'm sort of like you, Lubo, where um, I was using Twitter for my primary source uh, of getting content, and I think that I started um, using Twitter for Liverpool-related information in around 2013, and again, that that is how I found Enfield Index and all the statistics-related accounts, and sort of ended up ended up here um and now that elon musk has bought twitter and the service is degrading and everything that's going on there i've been using twitter like almost not at all and so in that that makes it so i'm I'm less aware of the like online debates especially related to liverpool uh mm-hmm. but uh i have been uh like replacing that um with reading sites like this is anfield more often for liverpool related content and then the other way i'm keeping up on things is you know just discussions with with the two of you and my other friends who are liverpool fans and like that that keeps things going is just you know other people you know in discussion tell you what's going on and then you can sort of like get up be you know stay up to date on on uh on the various things that are happening uh so paul are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and a license with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, similar to you guys, um, Twitter <clears throat> has been my mainstay for, uh, I don't know, unlike you guys, I couldn't tell you. When I started Twitter, I've been on Twitter for years, um, and that's kind of been, I guess that was kind of the, the main place. Uh, also, early days would have been more blogs and forums, um, rock forum and stuff, and then uh, just kind of moving through different uh, blogs and whatnot. Um, 
but yeah, generally, generally Twitter would be my first port of call. There was a time I would have been on Reddit a bit more, but Reddit I've never seemed to kind of st- stuck with. Um, maybe I don't know maybe just because Twitter just seemed a lot more instant. Uh, I think, and that obviously has been the the major selling point of Twitter over the last number of years was just you know news was instant and everything was was straight there. So where the likes of blogs, you're waiting for someone to write it and it could be, you know, half a day before something gets updated and, and whatnot. And it can be, it can be in today's fast paced moving world of news, you know, a blog can be out of date inside a couple of, uh, well, a couple of minutes, if not, as you know. And uh, so for me, Twitter, um, Reddit less. So, um, and similarly, WhatsApp groups, chatting to people, you know, you always get wee bits and pieces and nuggets and, you know, nuggets of information that you'll hear from someone who knows someone and they, they you know, they think they've, they think they've got this wee groundbreaking piece of information. I guess what we're going to see over the next couple of weeks, months, um, is, is Elon Musk and the team going to be able to sort Twitter to a usable state? Or is there something that's going to <clears throat> rise up in its place that's going to be, you know, that's going to kind of replace it? The other thing, so I like, I would be on Instagram quite a lot and follow accounts on Instagram, but again, because of the and Facebook, but because of the algorithm and the way also that those two platforms, like really, that Meta, that Facebook have set those up, it's not linear time that you get the new use in on those so you know you can be on instagram you get a story from three minutes ago and then you get something from four hours ago one after the other so that was always the problem i found with facebook and instagram that they're you know that that's where twitter has its um plus point over over the rest of them especially if you use it with the for you tab um, because then it's it's done chronologically I, I honestly don't get why these social media platforms done away with chronological um, info because that for me is just like uh, that's the way I want to see stuff what's happening right now not what happened three days ago followed by something that happened yesterday followed by something that's happening right now and then back to three days ago so yeah that's kind of I'll be very interested to see where it goes from here because I think there's a massive opening in the market if if Twitter can't get its game together, and it'll be yeah. who's who's going to take that who's going to take that and run with it. Right, it, it does seem like there is a very large opening if you want to do yeah. a text based social media app because that's what Twitter is is yep. like Instagram yep. they do. Uh, pictures, you know, TikTok does video, YouTube does video, but like for text-based social media, it's always been Twitter. So now Twitter is just sort of deteriorating, and there are a couple of different clones out there, and we'll see where they go. Uh, I I do have a Blue Sky account, and it is just, it is exactly like Twitter, but then the uh, number of people and the volume of posts is very small. And so it's like harder to find the content you're looking for. Uh, so it's yeah. not like you can just instantly get on there and there are like the 17 Liverpool accounts that you followed are just there pumping out information. It's more like a few of the people that you know from Twitter are there and they're not posting as much. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So like I have hopes that maybe Blue Sky will be that uh, replacement. But, you know, we'll we'll see uh, how that happens. Um over the next Mastodon six months or so. <clears throat> yes, and like they're they're both like just I think Mastodon is harder from like a user interface experience. I have yeah. not signed up for that one. And so that's how uh th- but that's what I understand about that one. And so then yeah. you have to know know more about getting into various forums Almost. or like yeah. yeah, like servers and, and that makes it like harder to just Come in as a new user and find what you're looking for. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It it there there should be a competitor, but as of now, it doesn't seem like there's anything. Yeah, mm. I'm curious about Blue Sky. I mean, I I I signed up and as in I rather I entered my email and I don't know if if they'll ever let me have an account. But the the the, the advantage of of Twitter is that they have such a cachet of accounts, right? Because they've been around for so long. 
over the years, there have been so many accounts that have been created on a number of topics. Uh, and, and, and they're there, and they're, like I said, they're pumping up the content. They already have the, the, the followings. They, they have the, 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 the content, the historical content. It's very difficult, difficult to just migrate to another platform and just re reestablish everything that you've built on, on Twitter over, over a decade plus. So I'm I'm curious to see what what happens with with Blue Sky. I mean, I personally would like to just see Elon Musk stop just messing up a platform and and trying to to change it into something it was never designed to be and constantly breaking it. It's it just it it's it's a mess. But it, it is what it is. Um, I but I do I do uh, I do agree with you that you know there's if if it fails there will be an opportunity for someone else. It's just that there's always going to be an expectation that whatever that someone else is, it'll be as easy to use in some ways uh, as Twitter, but also that it will already have a lot of the content and the accounts that that uh, that exist on Twitter, and it will take time to build those out. So that will be a mm-hmm. challenging um, that will be a challenge for any new uh, competitor coming in. Yeah, absolutely. But it's probably a good time to start talking about Liverpool. So, uh, enough about Twitter. Uh, so, mm-hmm. since we last spoke to you, Liverpool have made significant moves to bolter, bolster midfield of options available to Jurgen Klopp by signing Alexis McAllister from Brighton and Dominic Sabislai from RB Leipzig. Uh, additionally, Liverpool announced that Adrian's contract was extended for another season. So, uh, Paul, what are your thoughts about the signings of Alexis and and uh, Dominic Sabaslai, and how do you see them uh, fitting in? I think they are incredibly shrewd purchases. I think they... Uh, I think it shows real... I don't know if wisdom's the term, but there's a real uh, smartness, um, perhaps, about their approach uh, to these two. Off the back of... Last summer with Chiumeni, this summer with Jude Bellingham, that idea that you know we need to go after the the nearly the unicorn, so to speak, that that midfielder, that player who's just generational talent, as the term gets used so often, um, and then when you when you transition or move from that kind of signing and go right, well, what's what's the options that are available to us? Um, I think. Alexis McAllister and and Sly are like, you know, they're right up there. It's like probably in terms of purchases, they will make more sense than just spending money on Jay Bellingham ever would have. Um, and so for me, that's, you know, it's smart uh, transfer business in a way that so many people I think we're blinkered in that it was Jude, and if we didn't get Jude, we were going to be terrible. And yet now it's like, okay, this is for the same money that we could have spent on Jude Bellingham. We have brought in a player who has what three years Premier League experience and uh, is is incredibly good. You know, ready to to burst. Uh, his ceiling in terms of, of where he's been for the last couple of years he was brilliant in the World Cup um, and I, th- I think I've said this a couple of times <clears throat> whether it's been on podcast or whether it's been to friends I can't remember but you know in the World Cup I think Argentina didn't play him in the first match uh, and then after that I think he pretty much played every every game on their way to, to winning and um, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a line of thinking around it that that he he was the, the the string puller that allowed Max Messi um to excel uh, and I think for us whenever we look at uh, Darwin uh, and and you know kind of how we get get the best out of him I think players like Subasly and and uh, Alexis McAllister are going to be those kind of guys who will allow him to flourish. I think that was obviously our big problem last season. We had a player who was um, getting in positions, who was, you know, making runs and just wasn't quite being released and then snatching at things and just overthinking and underthinking and everything else. 
I think now what you've really got is output merchants who are really just going to be creative and creating chances for strikers and for forward players to, to, to tuck away. And and if you can create 20, 20 chances a game, they put two of them away, you know, and you win the match, that's kind of what we want to be doing. So I think with those two players, I think someone mentioned it today, you know, they're they're... Their interchangeability, their their ability to play one side, the other side, to play a different style, to mix up how their approaches. I think those are all the kind of things that if you're looking to buy um, attacking-minded midfielders, that ability to interchange and cause defences an absolute headache as to who they're going to track, who they're going to follow, where the you know where the ball is going to be played, how it's going, that's that's everything that you want from. It's everything you want from one attacking midfielder, never mind going out and getting two of them who can do that. Um, left side, right side. So I think, you know, I think they're very shrewd purchases. I think they're very um, smart purchases. And the money involves sounds as if it's, you know, sounds as if it's a great deal. The other side of it is you hit the release fees. There's no difficulty. There's no mad negotiating. There's no crazy back and forward. It's literally a case of... Right, this is what it takes to get and bang, there it is. <laughs> so that's why for Sabosla, like it came from nowhere because ultimately once we'd identified him as the player that we wanted, you pay the money and you get them get the player. McAllister was pretty similar. Pay the money, get the player. There wasn't really too else to be to be negotiated. And the price of that just of the of the two deals just seems to be incredible incredibly good value for money given what Declan Rice um is a is apparently going for given what Jude Bellingham you know, is costing. I would say Casido, when he moves, he's going to be serious money as well. So I think we're going to turn around and look like we've made two really, really good purchases. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's very funny that for both of these signings, they sort of came out of nowhere uh, in terms of the links mm. in the media. And then when they... like first the 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 rumors start to surface it's like well liverpool are looking at them but you know the deal is going to be very complicated um i don't know it we'll see how it goes and like with alexis McAllister, it's like we understand that there's some sort of release thing but it's not a release clause and then then after he actually signs it's just like no liverpool paid 35 million pounds to do a release clause (laughs) and there's just this whole build-up that was all nonsense and sort of the yep. same thing happened here with Sabazlai where it's going to be a complicated deal and 36 hours later Liverpool's just paid the release clause which is yep. which is great i mean it's it makes it a lot easier than uh trying to do bidding wars and sort of getting caught by that and that's sort of what happened last summer with Chuameni it seems it's like mm-hmm. they just got outbid by Real Madrid and that's where the player wanted to go so he ends up there um but now with alexis and and dominic um you know they look like they're going to be great fits in those attacking midfielding midfielder roles um Mm -hmm. whether that's um in a 3-4-3 it seems like they would be one on the right one on the left in that attacking two um yeah that of that box midfield and then in a a a 4-3-3 they would just be the more attacking eight um, of yeah. the of of the two, um, and I think that you can play them together because it seems like, from what I could tell, is Dominic is more of a right sided player, and then Alexis is more of a central to left sided player, uh, and that that works well with your existing midfielders in the attacking roles. Uh, you know, Curtis Jones is more of a left sided player, and then. Mm-hmm. RV Elliott's the right-sided player, so then you have four guys to do two roles in attacking midfield, and so that gives you lots of coverage, uh, and so it seems like you're you're doing a better job of covering all your bases while being able to rotate and then not having to pay 130 million euros for one guy. And so since you get two players who are equally as good, or almost equally as good as, as Jude Bellingham, um mm-hmm. if not if not better uh, who knows uh but you know it, it does seem like you're saying is they liverpool used you know whatever analytics to to figure out that these were the guys and then just went for it and it, yep. with the release fees it's they're very shrewd signings um 
So yeah, I think that I'm, I'm very encouraged by, by this business. Um, so, so Luba, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, uh, my, my thoughts. So first, I think that if you look at uh, Slobosai and uh, McAllister, and, and, and much as I practice his name, I will, I will uh, butcher it. So I think I'm probably going to stick with Dom and Alexis. I think that might be it, or even shorten it, call it Dom and Alex. Just, just keep it very short. But if, if you look at both of these players, and you look at uh, what they have produced the last couple of seasons and what their projections for the next couple of seasons are, I think you could see, you would expect both of them to be as they have both have been had as good as as uh, as uh, uh, Jude Bellingham and prob- project to be as good and in some aspects even better than him. And and this is you know obviously uh, Jude is a is a talented player and he's he's doing it at the age of nineteen while Alexis is 24 and Dom is 22. So, you know, I'm definitely not uh, trying to belittle what Jude has done because he, he, he is and he will be a, a, a really, really good player. But I feel Liverpool, for basically the combined cost of what he went to, Real Madrid have found two players who should be able to individually, I think, reproduce what he would have done at Liverpool. Uh, but I also wonder... Uh, really, if you think back, the, 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 and I try to trace back when the announcement happened. So it was beginning of April when Liverpool said, um, you know, we're not, we're not going to go after Jude Bellingham anymore. Um, and you, you never know, is it that he had told them, I'm going to Real Madrid, I'm not going to come to Liverpool? Or is it that he hadn't decided at that time, but Liverpool had sat down, decided, okay, we have this new shape and in this new shape, maybe we need less of a, of a kind of a prototypical eight box, box-to-box midfielder, which is where you'd see Jude potentially playing. We really need more of these attacking tens, slightly different profile players, uh, and we need more of them. You know, we don't need one player, we need two mm-hmm. or three players. You also, by that time, you had started to see Curtis Jones come into his own. You kind of knew what Harvey would be. You knew Hendo is probably not going to be a ten. Uh, Thiago, realistically, with the one season left, he's not going to be a 10. If they decided that really we're going to commit to this new shape, we're going to play this system going forward. And for this system, we need more players, but we actually may need players at a little bit different profile from what uh, Jude Bellingham offers, right? And I, I still think Jude is more of your typical box-to-box 8 in a 4-3-3 than a, than a 10 in in uh, in the current system so whatever it was i'm actually really curious what decisions took place in that early april when the announce when liverpool announced that they're not going to go after jude there was a significant meltdown but it feels like at that point of time they shifted to option b option c option d and most likely you know went uh, after alexis to convince him my guess is there'd been conversations with uh, dominic's uh, 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 team or uh, agent uh, well before now it's not something that you it's not a deal that you do in a in a couple of days even with the release clause yeah. so it does feel like that the last couple of months april may june there had been a significant shift in 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 just a transfer strategy even the links to thuram and lavi and some of those it definitely felt like they decided we need to build for this new system we need to bring in some of these more attacking players, the, the players who could be uh, these attacking tens. Um, and we cannot do that by just spending 120, 130 million on, uh, on Jude Bellingham. And we'll see. It does, it does seem quite, um, quite uh, clear, at least now. We'll never see how Klopp plays it, but you now have Alexis and Curtis is the, the left-sided, eight tens, if you, whatever you want to call them. You have Dom and Harvey, and I know there's a disagreement on Harvey, what his role is, but at least as a profile in terms of output, he, he looks like a, 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 they both look like very good options for the, the right-sided, eight ten role. Um, and then now you, you, you figure out how you fit all the other pieces and, and what you need, what you have in, in, in Fabinho, what you have in Stefan, how you're going to use Handel and, uh, and, and Thiago, uh, does Thiago stay? But I, I, as, a, as, a, as a pivot, as something that seems like a pivot to a transfer strategy that happened in early April and through now, 
it's 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 about as perfectly executed as you can get it uh, by by bringing uh, Alexis and 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 Dominic. And I don't think we should discount. I, I know Liverpool have a pool. I know they're a huge club, but not being in the Champions League is a challenge. Not just financial challenge, but a little bit of a prestige challenge. And the fact that Liverpool were able to go after Alexis, convince him of the project very quickly, where this is the team he wanted to join. His father was convinced, and same with, uh, with uh, Dominic. The fact that they went and they convinced him, and he said, this is where I want to be. I, I don't want to go to Newcastle, despite the Champions League. I think that this is just very shrewd uh, transfer business, very shrewd negotiations and convincing that club and the team uh, did over the last couple of months to bring these two players. So hopefully it continues. I think we'll talk a little bit later. There's probably a need for one or two more players uh, to come in. But as a start to the, transfer, to the transfer window, it's about as good as you can get it. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, and like like you were saying, in late April, Jurgen Klopp, in one of his press conferences, did say, we will spend money this summer. And, you know, they Liverpool has followed through with that, you know, by going and paying these release clauses. So it does seem like... You know, they had some some plans and some intent that they were um, going to execute, and they have. Uh, so, just one one more thing on Alexis and and Dominic is all of the um, articles I've read is they very much seem like players who fit the Jurgen Klopp mold in terms of you know their personalities and character, and you know there there's a profile of of Dom. Uh, I think from February that Honigstein had done in the Athletic, where it talk, he talked about, uh, you know, at at Leipzig you have to be out there grinding and doing the pressing and stuff, and so that that sounds like a guy that's a club player. And then having watched Alexis play for the Argentine national team, is like he's very much bought into the like we I will do the work, the extra work to get things done. And like at, with Argentina, that's more in service of making sure that you know you're getting the most out. Messi, because Messi has his physical limitations right now as he's aged, but like very much bought into that team ethos and going to do stuff for the team to make sure that the team wins. And so I think that both of those like attitudes fit very well with Liverpool. Um, so yeah. let's let's look uh, to the remainder of the transfer window now. Um, so what do you think Liverpool's priorities should be? And then do you think Liverpool will make additional signings? Uh, Paul, you want to start us off there? Yeah, it's just it's just another wee thought that I was that was having while we were while we were chatting there. I, I really think that <clears throat> this this transfer window is going to show us that there is a strategy behind. Um, what the club has been doing, you know, I think it was a bit of a narrative that that last summer was just a bit of a mess, and it was a bit of a, you know, they did they didn't have a plan, they didn't know what way they were going to play football, what was the what was the shape of the team going forward, and then who was going to you know how who were going to buy to fit into that. I think what these transfers and possibly then. The rest of the transfer window will show this that there is a plan, there is a you know there is a a bit of a blueprint um, behind what they want to do. I do have a question around the thought of when they bought Fabio um, Carvalho and when they bought Harvey Elliott and when um, you know 
was there a bit of an element around this kind of idea of the three four three kind of being something that they would try and try to transition to last season? Um, and I think we saw not necessarily flat out going mad for that shape right at the start of the season, but I think there was a bit of an element of you know experimentation that kind of fell flat in his face and then we reverted back to the 4-3-3 that we're, we're all familiar with and then only towards the end of the season did we go full at 3-4-3 three, three, um, moving Trent up into the midfield inverting them inside and fully commit to that from the Arsenal game onwards and part of my thinking and part of my thought process around last season's you know last summer's transfer uh, approach was was that something that we were trying to work towards with Carvalho um, uh, you know, and, and going after too many as well was that was that something that was in the back of their minds? And so all along we've had this idea of that's how we want to play the football, and that's where we want to transition the team towards. But <laughs> last season started disastrously and kind of progressed in the same shape, um, and so we nearly had to abandon it, and then say, right, well, do you know what? We'll reassess this coming into February, March, April time and then really commit to what the transfers are going to be. And I think that's part of what we're seeing now and why these deals have got done at the start of the summer. Because as you guys have said, you know, this isn't something that they've thought about at the end of June and went, right, okay, these are the boys that we need to bring in. Or, you know, at the end of May and end of June, these are the boys that we need to bring in. These are these are decisions that have been made and, and conversations that will enhance had a lot earlier um, and you know when when we realised that it maybe take three, four players to, well, you're not going to spend all your money on Jude Bellingham and you're not going to even spend your money on Jude Bellingham and Alexis and um, you know a couple of other guys you're, you're, want, you're wanting to spend your money in the best fashion so um, I kind of think that the, these two transfers show something of a renewed approach but also that you know that narrative that says Liverpool recruitment doesn't know what they're doing. I think that's a bit of a false narrative. I think results on the pitch determined that the transfers that we tried to make last season didn't quite transpire the way we wanted them to. So then we reverted back to a system that we knew, but things just didn't seem to click the rest of the season. So it became really difficult. Um, and so now I think what we're seeing is possibly... The transfers that we had always intended to try and make in terms of shape and profiles of players, but that last season was just a bit of a disaster season. So in a way, it's kind of pushed us on to be really, really um, shrewd with how we do these. In terms of what else do we need, what what do I think Liverpool's priority needs to be? I, I think a setback is probably going to be right up there, a left-sided centre-back. Um, I, like, I would agree, Lubo, you've said a number of times that, that Robbo isn't bad on that left left side of centre-back kind of role, the, you know, the left side of the three. Um, it probably suits Mikas um, less than it does Robbo. Uh, I think, obviously, just with Robbo's AIDS profile, you're going to have to start looking for a replacement at some point. Um, and probably now is as good as any to try and bring through someone else in that role. So I would probably be looking at that. Um, and then possibly, I'm like I'm not of the opinion that uh, Fabinho's done and dusted. Um, I, I, I'm very much of the thought process, if you have the right guy beside him in Trent and you have the right midfielders in front of him and they're doing the hard graft, what we've always been used to and what he's been used to. You know, I think there's some weird thing that people say that, that Fabinho's legs have gone. I don't really think he ever had great legs to begin with. Um, it's not like he covered every blade of grass. Um, and so I think he had players around him who did all of that. Uh, and so now I would say, well, then it's, you know, I, I don't think going and buying a, a drop-in ready number six is what we need to do. Let's see how Stefan does. Um, Hendo can always fill in there. Whether it's great or not, we don't know. Um, Thiago has played further back the pitch, deep line playmaker kind of idea. There's there's a lot of things that we can do. I don't think number six necessarily needs to be a ready-made drop-in one. A lot of rumours coming out today that 
that that Lavia is, is possibly the next person we'll try and get in. No, I, I just I just feel like we have a good process now in place, which is probably something that it hasn't looked like in the last couple of transfer windows. Yeah, I think that um, I see I see what you're saying there in terms of midfield, right? I I, I don't know that. Uh, Liverpool immediately need uh, a defensive midfielder, right? Um, The next midfielder that Liverpool buys should be a player that plays in that double pivot. Um, But I don't know that that has to be right now. Um, So I think that the... um, the, When you look at the what you might call like a depth chart for that... um, those that double pivot right you're probably going to see trent and fabinho start most of the premier league games right mm-hmm. uh and then you have tiago stefan and henderson as your nominal backups right uh so yeah. tiago probably can only be available for half the games anyway so you know that's unfortunate because he's such a good player but then you have additional cover and needing to get stefan minutes in the system so that he's like continuing to progress in building his skills um but you know given tiago's age henderson's age and fabinho's age and their contract situations eventually you're going to need one to two more players to come in Mm -hmm. to that system now fabinho's contract i think goes for three more years and so like he's gonna be around he's probably gonna be the one that just sort of uh steps down over time but for the upcoming Mm -hmm. season would be a starter um but yes so it it is true that liverpool will need a defensive midfielder at some point um now it could be in january that's something you look at if say one of the players gets a season ending injury uh if fabinho ends up being very much like done in terms of his quality and his legs then you can go get a starter quality midfielder in january but for now i think this is an okay group to to start the season with uh in terms of the priorities to end the um the transfer window is like it has to be a center back right um right now you have kanate and van dyke who are very solid uh, and then Robertson's going to be playing in that sort of center back role uh, in the left side of the back three, which might be good for him uh, because he's like he's getting close to 30. And so, you know, needs to have his role adjusted to compensate for any loss of athleticism. And so, like, that might work out yeah. just fine. He's maybe a little short to be a center back uh, in a normal system, but it probably works okay in in the back three. But then looking at your backups, it's like Matip struggled a lot last season. Uh, Gomez had his struggles. So just whoever's the next man off the bench needs to be a little bit higher quality than Matip or Gomez, especially since, you know, Kanate's got an extensive injury history and he could be... Uh, he could suffer another injury. So making sure that you have a center back that's ready to come in, ready to like contribute right away, I think that's got to be the priority. Um, and when you're also balancing that against sort of like roster constraints, uh, there's only one more lot that Liverpool have available for a non-homegrown player. So you've got to put that one spot to your um, you know highest priority area. So that's got to be the center back. And then if you do want to sign another player, if that's in that defensive midfield role, they have to be homegrown. They have to be English homegrown. So that's where uh, Romeo Lavia might make sense. If you th- if Liverpool think he is like going to be very good long term and they can get him for the right price, it would be fine to, to go ahead and get him now. But, you know, they have to you know work that out, whether or not he is if they think he's going to be you know, that type of player. Uh, so, so Lupo, what are your thoughts? So be, before looking at looking ahead, I think something that uh, Paul, Paul was talking about is it, 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 in terms of the, how the strategy worked over the, seemed to have worked over the last couple of years. It always felt like last summer and last year was let's rebuild the attack because he knew that Sadio was, was leaving. He wanted to go. He had told Jurgen, you knew that, there was a chance that uh, uh, Bobby could leave. You know, you committed really that that uh, Mo is the one that you're going to keep. 
So you knew you, you had to bring in attackers, and that's what they did with Diaz, with Darwin, and then with uh, Cody in the winter. Basically, over 12 months, effectively, you brought in three new attackers for a lot of money, uh, has to be said. And even uh, Fabio felt more of an opportunistic uh, uh, homegrown uh, player, very interesting profile, probably didn't know exactly where you'd put him, but just as a bargain, as a deal, it, it made sense. And he may still work out. Uh, for Liverpool, but to be seen. But it always felt like last year the attack was the focus. If you could bring in a great player at another position, and that's what they tried with Chuameni, um, you know, it was going to, they would try it. But again, la- felt like last year was the attack. This year is definitely the midfield. And I think in terms of the, the, the first two signings have been midfielders. I, I think the third signing, as, as you guys discussed, it would make sense to now bring in someone who's maybe a little bit more defensive. But there's probably less of an urgency there. And, you know, I know Paul Joyce had another article this morning and, uh, and he said, you know, they, someone like Lavia would make sense. But then he also said it's possible that with uh, the players at hand, now Liverpool decided they don't really need a, a defensive midfielder this summer and, and could wait. And specifically, as, as you said, Matt, I mean, Fabinho still has three years on his contract. Uh, you may want to see what you have with Stefan. You have uh, depth with uh, Thiago and Henderson, who could play that, who are probably better suited now for that more defensive role. So you have options. And so if, if, you, uh, if you're not quite sure that you have that must-have uh, uh, defensive midfielder available and you want to wait or you want to even wait to see how Stefan does, uh, you, you have a bit of flexibility. Obviously, if Thiago wants to leave, it opens up a roster spot. It opens up uh, money. You may want to go for, for a younger, more defensive uh, midfielder or even someone like Thuram, who may be, uh, he may be more of an of a, uh, 8-10 that profile, but potentially could, could be someone who could be kept more, in, more from a, a double pivot role long-term. Uh, but at least... Right now, given everyone that they, they have in midfield, it, it does feel like a, a center back would make more sense for a couple of reasons that you've mentioned. But also, it's, it's just that uh, Joel's age, his contract situation, the fact that Joe is probably effectively uh, a backup right back <laughs> with, uh, with uh, Calvin Ramsey leaving, and, and also, you want to start bringing in, is thinking about someone who could come in and be the Virgil replacement next year. So bringing in someone who could be uh, used uh, as that left, uh, left-sided center back uh, if needed, but also long-term could transition into Virgil's role next to Konate is probably the biggest need. It's probably the bigger need. Uh, the links to that uh, player, the Chelsea player at uh, Southampton, uh, whose name escapes me and who's actually playing right now. Levi Colwell, I believe. Colwell, mm-hmm. yes. He, so a profile like that makes a lot of sense. I don't know if uh, Chelsea would sell him. Even uh, the, the guy at Wolfsburg, Mickey uh, Vanden... Vanden Van. Vanden Van. He also makes sense from that perspective. Someone who is um, potentially could be on that uh, left side, but long-term could be a Virgil replacement, if you will. So I would like to see someone like that. Um, I think that, to me, is a, is a bigger priority right now. As a center, another center back, especially another high upside center back, I would probably prioritize that if, if, uh, if I had to choose between that and another defensive player. And I think that the links about Lavia, uh, why I find him a little suspect, is one, by all accounts, he's, he's wanted by a lot, of player, a lot of teams, and he'll want to go to a team where he can play. Supposedly, he really wants to go back to Man City. Um, and, and, and also, he's going to cost a lot of money, and he'll want to go to a team that, where he can start regularly. And I'm not so sure that Liverpool say, uh-huh. yes, you can come in, and you can start from day one next to Trent. I mean, he's an interesting player, but it, it feels like a big leap of faith. Liverpool like to bring in players after they've had something like 150 to 175 games in, in, in across top flight and across European competitions. And it's just, he's a promising player, but he's, he's still 20 and he's only had one uh, season, like you know, 27 half a games season. Play, or half a season playing for Southampton. So it, it feels, it feels like a stretch. And even, you know, even uh, Joyce uh, seems to, to, uh, 
to 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 try to make up his mind uh, which way which side of the uh, of the fence he wants to sit in. So it, it could be it could be that uh, a defensive midfielder does come in, especially as we said, if Thiago leaves and opens up the spot. But I would try to prioritize. I would try to prioritize a center back, especially with uh, uh, with the current situation, and especially with now you have uh, Reese who is went out alone. Nat will be sold. All of a sudden, you're uh, most likely Jarrell Kwanza will likely also go out on loan. So you're quite thin there. I would rather I'd rather see a center back next than another midfielder, but we will see. Yeah, uh, it'll be an interesting eight weeks or so to, to close the transfer window. But, um, you know, the, the preseason is almost uh, upon us already. So uh, the, the players will start will report uh, for the new season on July 8th. So next Saturday. Uh, and then after a few days at Anfield, not Anfield, um, the, the training facility, they'll be heading to Germany for a training camp and then off to Singapore for friendlies at the end of July and early August. So, Luba, what are, what are you looking forward to in, in the preseason games? I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Well, obviously, just to watch them play, just to see how the new boys, uh, uh, Dominic and Alexis, look. I'm also looking to see how Klopp uh, uses, the, what formation Klopp uses, whether he persists with this uh, new, new formation of, uh, of the of, you know, three, two, five, whatever it is, or whether he also plays the, the more traditional uh, four, three, three. I, I think it'll be really interesting. I think it'll give us a lot of hints about how we could play how uh, ne- ne- next season, and I'm also just curious to see some of some of the uh, younger kids on the periphery. There's going to be opportunities, right? So even though Calvin Ramsey went out alone, I think Connor Bradley could get a chance uh, to to play uh, some minutes at at, um, at at right back. So it'll be interesting to see whether he gets uh, a chance like that. Same with Luke Chambers. I actually uh, really like him as a as a potential long-term uh, rubble replacement. I think he's a, a young player who could actually do quite well as a, as a left back who could uh, slot in that uh, uh, three at the back, uh, especially as, as he fills out more uh, left-footed. He, uh, by all accounts, did really well in Scotland, which again, is Scotland, but it's still, you know, he's 19 playing professional football in Scotland. is not, it's definitely not a bad thing. So I'm really curious to see uh, how how much time he gets, how much uh, how many minutes he gets, and then some of the younger kids, some of the younger attackers like Ben Doak and and uh, Kate Gordon, uh, are they still around? Are they going to get a, a chance to to play? Definitely, I, I think beyond just the the, the new arrivals, uh, and the maybe as we discussed, one or two uh, more arrivals. And there's a lot of kids just on the periphery. Um, even Tyler Morton, that uh, that are ready to 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 uh, stake claim to some minutes, especially in the domestic cups, especially in the Europa League. So I'm really curious to see how many of them do well this summer and how many of them actually end up staying with with the main squad the way Stefan did last year, for example, and and really get opportunities to play uh, next year. So exciting! It, it's always good to watch the Reds. 
I'm, I'm not that crazy about a trip back to, to Singapore just because it really messes up with the, the training and with, uh, with the preparations, but it's, you know, those commercial needs, right? So hope, hopefully it doesn't really have a negative impact the way the trip to Asia last year really seemed to have uh, messed up the preparation for last season. Yeah, I think that they're playing, I think I read that they're playing Leicester and then Bayern over the course of a, um, like a long weekend. So I think that last, last year, I think that they had a shorter trip and this year it's maybe a little bit longer, so it'll help them adjust to the differences in time. And so maybe, maybe that will hopefully not uh, throw things off. Um, so one of the things I'm looking forward to is actually some of the young guys that you, Lubo, have uh, like talked a lot about, including Luke Chambers. So I just want to see sort of what, um, what those academy kids look like relative to the senior pros and how they might fit in and where uh, they might project in terms of this season or, you know, seasons uh, down the road to see, you know, what kind of, um, what kind of needs maybe that the, will need to be addressed in the transfer market versus what can be uh, addressed through uh, promoting kids from the academy. And so that's sort of what I'm looking for just as a like temperature check to see where, where the young players are uh, in the preseason. Um, so Paul, what, what are you looking for? for? Yeah, I think it's much of, much of what you guys have said there. I think preseason is always an interesting one because <clears throat> I think there's, there's sometimes there are players who, are coming through the, the academy ranks maybe aren't eye catchers um, necessarily at that academy range but sometimes when they just get an opportunity in the first team setup being around pre-season games and even Europa League games and whatnot they then find something within themselves that maybe you know no one no one has really saw them do so I think there's always a good opportunity for players to kind of put their name out there and um, you know, make themselves known. Um, it will be interesting to see uh, Connor Bradley, Tyler Morton, you know, those guys who have been out on loan, uh, how much of an opportunity they get. Um, I think it's good this summer, obviously, that, that most of our players will be coming back relatively close to the start date of pre-season. You know, there's no. I don't think any. I don't think there's too many players will be, you know, given extended breaks for because of international matches or anything. So, for a change, it'll be a case of we'll have lots of, you know, lots of the main first teamers around about the season stuff, you know, from day one, day two kind of thing, rather than that mad staggered comeback where the first weeks effectively James Milner and a pile of young boys <laughs> you know so i think it'll be decent to have that kind of prolonged build-up and prolonged pre-season which i think has obviously last season i think that was just a mess i think i think you know general terms were that general thoughts were that the pre-season messed up a bit last season just with how they approached it and um, i think the traveling as well last pre-season didn't work out too well some of the pre-season games weren't particularly great um, and then we won the the charity shield, and everyone thought, "Well, this is just you know back to how we do things. This is it. We're grand. We're good to go." But it was very, very obvious that that wasn't the case. So I'm looking forward to you know just kind of a steady preseason, you know, a preseason where the 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 players go through good condition and get themselves in great shape going into the start of the season, and then. You know the integration of these new players, the integration of uh, Alexis and the integration of uh, Dominic. I think that should then obviously give you know the maximum time for those guys to kind of get up to speed. It'll be really, really. You know, I'm assuming there's obviously more preseason friendlies to be announced because if it's you know if it's just who did you say it was Leicester and yeah, th there's there's yeah, also. There's also friendlies in Germany during the camp. Uh, yes. If I remember correctly, it's just like the the two big ones in Singapore were Leicester yeah. and Bayern. And I, yeah. I don't know if there ha will be games once they get back to uh, to England because there are, I think there's a couple of weeks between the Bayern game and the first game of the Premier League. But 
I will have yeah, to and just quickly and check Anfield, on that. You have the Anfield Road and works still kind of being done, so you'd assume any friendlies that they have in the UK will probably be away games rather than rather than home games. And I know for the Aviva this season, the, the pre-season friendly, the big one that's being held there is United versus someone, so they'll probably not have a friendly in Dublin this 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 year. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting just to see. So, I think we'll be much, much more focused in preseason. So I, I'm just checking the schedule here right now, and it does look like there are two games in Germany, and then the two games in Singapore, and then there's nothing else. Uh, there are ten, eleven days between the Bayern friendly and the first game of the Premier League. So uh, I think that. You know, there's opportunities there to get be. some other other games scheduled, especially between Bayern and Chelsea, who is the yeah. first game of the season on on the 13th yeah. of August. So, um, yeah, there's there's that. Uh, and then one of the things you're saying there, Paul, is uh, guys coming back late. I only think that uh, the the guys who are in the U21 Euros uh, <laughs> will be coming back late, and that's I think Curtis. Harvey and uh, Kanate, right? Those are the only three. Yeah, Kanate. Yeah. Kanate is not with the under twenty ones. He's with the, oh, with he's the main team. He, yeah. With, yeah, yeah. So he, yeah, no, he, I think he's with the main team. So he's not with the under twenty ones. Uh, okay, but yeah, the, but definitely uh, Curtis and, and Harvey because uh, England just won today. They beat Portugal one nil. It was a bit nervy at the end as Portugal were pressing, but today they were able to hold on. So they will advance to at least the, the semifinal, which I think is going to be against Israel. And they should be able to beat Israel. So I think you're now looking at uh, potentially the final, which is on the 8th. So I, I think definitely Curtis and, and, and Harvey will, will get a couple of weeks off, possibly even just join the team for the trip in, in Singapore, which will then mm-hmm. mean that uh, Alexis and Dom will get a chance to, to just mostly you know, practice, practice that attacking, attacking roles. And I think it should be okay. I mean, I think both Curtis and Harvey, they know the system. They should be able to slot in uh, pretty well for uh, when, when they rejoin the team. But I don't, I don't think there's anyone else. Obviously, any new uh, signings, the later they come in, the, the, the more difficult it will be for them to be ready for week one. But you would not expect any new signings that would come in from now on to be starting that game against Chelsea regardless. So at least the, the first eleven that you would expect to start against Chelsea, they they should get a good preseason. Yeah. Uh, so I think this is a good point to uh, start wrapping things up. Uh, so Paul, what are your your final thoughts? Final thoughts are ones of excitement. Um, it always is going into uh, a new season, forgetting about the season that has went. <laughs> Um, and very much so this year. Um, and obviously excitement about these two signings um, and excitement for what we possibly could do um, over the next couple of weeks before we kind of hit hit the ground run again. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm positive, I'm actually confident that this season's going to be a good one. Um, I'm, you know, I'm feeling where the positivity passes, so generally we feel positive anyway. But I am very positive about, you know, the business that we've done, the way we've done it. Um, no real leaks getting out on any of this kind of stuff. It's just bang, deal's done, there we go. You know, Ornstein's the first one to release information, and then two days later, deal's done. Uh, you know, I'm really enjoying that, so I think that's a, you know, a good approach. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just, <clears throat> I'm excited. Yeah, I'm I'm also pretty excited. I think that this season uh has a lot of potential, especially now with the these two new signings in. Um maybe get one more and I think that, you know, Liverpool will be strongly in contention for the title and right now with this group, I think that it could be a lot more comfortable in the in the top 4 race. Um so, uh Lubo, your final thoughts? My final thoughts are just let's um uh, let's see I'm, I'm already waiting for for uh, camp for players to return, and I'm I'm looking forward to actually more so to see uh, how how the summer goes, how the the preseason training camp goes, and how a lot of the players integrate the new players integrate the the kids, how they integrate. Obviously, any new arrivals if they happen uh, would be would be interesting, would be bonus. 
but uh, definitely, I, I, I think that even without new arrivals, uh, we discussed about an, another center back would be great. But I think that there is a, a, a good team in place already to, to challenge. So hopefully they have a good summer. Hopefully they have a really good training camp and can uh, start the season strongly. Yeah, so I think that we will be back uh, in three, four weeks to do a season preview podcast. And so until then, everybody should enjoy their summer. And and we'll talk to you again in about a month and and look ahead to the next season. So uh, up the Reds. Up the Reds. Up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.